12 races in, teammate head-to-heads, and a crazy constructors battle. This week, I'm having a chat about how the teams are doing so far in the second part of my mid-season review. So get ready, because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello everyone and welcome back to the steward's office. I'm Syra, and this week we're having a chat about how all the teams have been faring in the first half of the season as well as looking at the teammate head-to-heads in the second part of my mid-season review. I posted the first half of my mid-season review last week where I was talking about some of the biggest headlines that have come out so far in Formula 1 in 2023 so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that yet make sure you check that out. But there has been a lot going on for each of the teams up and down the field, and I'm just going to get into it. So we are going to start off with the team who are obviously P1 in the Constructors right now, and that is Red Bull Racing. Red Bull came into 2023 even stronger than they were last year. They are still leading the Constructors like they were this time last year, but after 12 races in 2022, they were at 396 points. This year, they're currently sitting on 503. That is a pretty big gain in points between a year. Clearly, Red Bull are taking home the WCC this year. There are no near enough teams to really compete with them for it. It's a matter of when and not if for Red Bull right now. They're a team that have won every single race this season so far. All 12 of the races, Red Bull have gone in and have won with either Max or Checo. And they just don't seem to show any signs of stopping anytime soon. This has to be, without a doubt, one of the most dominant displays we've seen in Formula 1 history. I know a lot of people talk about Mercedes domination, but even then, they weren't winning 12, 13 races in a row. People weren't sitting there thinking, no, the team was going to win in a season. This is domination like we have not seen in Formula 1. The morale is sky high within Red Bull and... Of course it would be. I mean, you're going to end up winning your second Constructors' Championship in a row. You've got one of the strongest drivers on the grid in the seat right now going after his third wheel title. The win in the Constructors also means that the workers have a bonus. I mean, let's be honest, there's not a whole load to complain about here, is there? They have a car right now that is showing no obvious weaknesses. Without a doubt though, the DRS has to be the main strength to their car. They just gain so much speed when the DRS is enabled and no one else can find that same speed. Red Bull themselves are actually quite surprised that the teams haven't figured out what is causing that massive gain in speed yet. But I'm 100% sure all nine of the teams are working to try and figure it out and then apply it to their car, especially for 2024. DRS is just a small part of it though. They are benefiting from getting the regulations right in 2022. They're not a team having to play catch up like the likes of Mercedes were having to after they didn't exactly nail the regulations. Red Bull had a strong car last year, nailed the regulations, and now this year they're benefiting from it because all they're doing is just adding performance on. They are just building on what was already a very, very strong car. Now, obviously, Being P1 in the Constructors does mean they have less wind tunnel time and also the penalty they incurred after going over the cost cap last year does mean they've got another reduction in wind tunnel time. But I personally don't think that's going to make a blind bit of difference to Red Bull. All they're going to have to do is just be smarter about how they use their wind tunnel time and they've got a very solid engineering team there with Adrian Newey at the helm. They're not just going to throw whatever into the wind tunnel. 
So I don't think it's really going to hamper their performance. I don't think it's really going to allow other teams to catch up with them in that respect. Looking into the rest of the races this season, I am definitely expecting them to dominate every single race. I realistically don't think there is another team that's going to be able to win a race this season. It just doesn't seem likely. I think there are only really two ways that it could happen. And one, we would either need a massive jump in development. Now, a lot of teams have mentioned they're focusing on the 2024 Cup. Fair enough, rightly so. So I can't see anyone having that massive jump to the front right now. And the only other way, I think, is if Red Bull ended up DNFing because they had reliability issues. But their reliability has been so good this year. Their engines, the car in general... They're not facing the problems that they were right at the start of the 2022 season. So that being said, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it would take a massive turn of events and a miracle. So I do think Red Bull are going to do a clean sweep this season. Looking at the teammate head-to-heads between Max Verstappen and Checo Perez, races are 10-2, quality is 10-2, wins are 10-2, podiums are 12-7, Points 314 to 189, and in the championship standings, Max is currently first and Checo is currently second. So 1-2 for Red Bull is best case scenario, the perfect scenario. Constructors, drivers championship, and your other driver takes P2. It's a clean sweep for them, right? What I think is the issue, for Sergio at least, is that points deficit between him and Max. 314 points to 189. Now that is quite a big deficit to try and make up and I don't think it will be. I think Checo is out of contention for the Drivers' Championship. We all know Max is going to take his third championship at the end of the season. We're waiting for it mathematically to happen, a lot like the Constructors. It's a case of when, not if. Sergio just really struggled with the car after the first few races of the season though because right at the start it looked like he could be in contention, he could bring a battle to Max but It didn't materialise, it didn't happen, and he's kind of got a little bit of his form back just before we went on summer break. But like I said, I don't think it's going to be enough for him to really go toe-to-toe with Max, even if he gets back to full fighting form. Checo's just not able to pull the gaps with the rest of the field in the RBR that Max is able to. He's not gelling with the car as well as Max is, and Max is clearly the most dominant driver in that team right now. He is the Red Bull number one driver, and right now he's just showing us why that's the case. Moving on to second in the Constructors' Championship, and that is Mercedes. Now, this has not been the year that Mercedes would have wanted, but I think it has been a bit of a better year for them. Last year, around this time, they were third in the Constructors with 270 points behind Ferrari. Currently, they are in P2 with 247 points. So it is a smaller share of points this year, but Red Bull have taken a lot of the major points and Mercedes have been in a battle for P2 and lost out to Aston Martin. Their main battle for P2 for most of the season has been with Ferrari and Aston Martin, and I now think McLaren have kind of joined that fight as well. But Yeah, Aston Martin were beating them out for a lot of the season. They were the ones making up that third place on the podium. They were getting better points compared to Mercedes. But the AM lack of pace for the past couple of races has allowed Mick to overtake them for P2 in the Constructors. Lewis Hamilton's been getting a couple of more podiums. George Russell's ended up on a podium and it has helped that Constructors battle. 
The W14 does seem a little bit more consistent this season. We aren't seeing the huge swings between different circuits like we did in 2022. Them struggling consistently to get out of Q1, not being in the points, struggling to overtake as much. It's not perfect this year, don't get me wrong, but it looks a lot better and there are more positive signs coming out of the W14. Beginning of the season, though, was fairly bad for them. The W14 was a diva. The team said it. You could see that it was. It was still fairly unpredictable. Wasn't really behaving the way they wanted it to. In some respects, it did just look like a copy and paste of the W13. They realised after Bahrain that this was a design route that was not working for them and they went back to the drawing board and brought a massive upgrade to the car. And I'm talking side pods, I'm talking floor, rear wing, front wing. There was a lot they changed about the car. Suspension changed, front suspension. They are now getting a more predictable car. They're now getting the downforce that they need in their car and it is working a little bit better for them. Still not perfect, but getting there. Thankfully for the drivers, we're not hearing about poor poising and bouncing as much, which I'm sure is really helping their backs. Although Lewis did mention that he felt some bouncing at Spa in the Grand Prix just before summer break. That might potentially be due to setup problems that they had because Spa was a weird one between wet and dry setups. But it is something that the team, I'm sure, are going to look into to make sure it's not a recurring problem for their drivers because it does make it very hard to drive and for them to get the speed that they need. Like I said though, the W14 is not where they want it to be and the drivers aren't overly happy with it. It's still a little bit of a diva, I think. And for me, I think what's the most interesting thing right now is how much time they are making up between Friday and Saturday, between the FP1 and FP2 sessions and then when they hit FP3 and then quality on Saturday. It almost feels like the sim work they're doing prior to the race weekend is not working out for them. It's not correlating with what they're seeing on track. So I do wonder in that respect whether there is still a semblance of the car being unpredictable, that they can't quite marry up the data they're seeing in the sim to what the drivers are feeling in the car and the data that the actual car is giving them. Mercedes have said the focus and the wind tunnel time they have now is all on the 2024 car, so the W15, and the team feel like they are in the right direction now with their car development. After having that huge upgrade, they feel like it's now coming out of firefighting zone, problem solving, to now adding performance to the car and figuring that out, which is a much better place for a team to be in. And it's where Mercedes want to be. The rest of the season, I think, is them battling for P2 and the constructors. I don't think that's going to be an easy fight. I think at minimum, they'll end up with P3. But I think it will depend on what Aston and McLaren do for the rest of the season. Looking at the teammate head-to-head though, Lewis Hamilton to George Russell. Races are 9-3, quali 7-5, podiums 4-1, points 148-99 and championship standings, Lewis is in 4th, George Russell is in 6th. Now they're much closer than what Checo Perez and Max Verstappen are, that is very very clear to see. Lewis Hamilton seems to be back to form after what was a difficult season last year, I think both mentally for him physically because of the way the car was behaving and he was also taking on a lot of the experimental setups a lot of the experimental upgrades which were hampering his performance but he's bounced back this season as a lot more confident is only one point away from Fernando Alonso to take p3 in the drivers championship so he's having a fairly good season and obviously he also had that pull in Hungary this season which I'm sure did a lot to boost his confidence and his morale 
George, on the other hand, is not having the best season. I think his first season in Mercedes was a flying start. This year, it's a little bit more of a struggle. Not massively, but a little bit. He's seemingly struggling to just get to one with the car. I think since those upgrades have come in, he's struggling a little bit more. He has also had some bad luck in qualities. He has had two DNFs, which have hampered his performance, hampered the amount of points he's been able to gain. And he is on equal points with Charles Leclerc right now, who is fifth in the championship. So I think for George, his main battles are with the Ferrari, so the drivers' championship. And I think there is a good chance he will end up in at least fifth place. But what we might see after summer break is him resetting, able to realign himself and maybe get a little bit more out of the car and gain some of that confidence that he seems to be lacking just a little bit. Moving on to Aston Martin and what can only be described as a glorious start to the season that took a lot of people by surprise. 2022, this time last year, 19 points and P9 in the constructors. We are now at 196 points and in third place. Who the heck would have predicted that massive swing if anyone had told me this time last year that this would be where Aston Martin was? I would probably just laugh and ignore them. There is no way I would have believed what they were telling me. But here we are. Normally what we see are teams slowly working themselves up through the field, but AM decided they were going to create a rocket ship, forget about working their way slowly up, they were going to launch themselves straight into P2. The new signings on their team, like Dan Fowles from Red Bull, have definitely helped them, no doubt about it. The investment that Lawrence Stroll has put into that team is paying off tenfold for them. And this wasn't a one-hit wonder at the start of the season I thought it was going to be. After Bahrain, I thought, are they going to be able to keep this up for another race? Is this just a good track for them? Are the other teams just struggling right now, setup-wise? And we'll slowly see Aston Martin fade away to the back. But that wasn't the case. They had consistently good races. Aston Martin were consistently up on the podium with Fernando Alonso. Coming closer into summer break though and we were seeing a fall in their fortunes. The upgrades were the completely wrong direction and they weren't working the way they wanted to. Instead of speeding up the car it was really hampering them and slowing them down. And what that did was leave the door open for Mercedes to scoop up a good set of points and Alonso missing out on quite a couple of podiums. Now Aston Martin are saying that they're working to rectify this issue. They know what the issue is. They know the upgrades aren't working. So they are working on a turnaround right now. So we're going to have to see if there is an improvement in the second half of the season, how long it might take to fix these upgrades. But it is going to be a very interesting task for them to manage. Looking at the teammate head-to-head, Fernando Alonso to Lance Stroll, races 11-1, quali 10-2, podium 6-0, points are 149-47, and in the championship standings, Fernando Alonso is in third, Lance Stroll is in ninth. And it's clear to see from those stats that Fernando Alonso is very much the dominant driver in the team. To be fair to Lance Stroll, right, he was coming back from an injury at the start of the season where he had broken his wrists, issue with his toe, he was still in pain when he'd gotten back into the car. You could see the way he was having hand gestures, the way he was holding the steering wheel after races, he was still in a little bit of discomfort and pain. So I do wonder whether after summer break we might see a bit of an improvement in his form potentially, maybe not, that's going to be one to keep an eye out on. 
For Fernando Alonso, though, on the other hand, he had no issues whatsoever and felt at one with that car right away. People really questioned what he was doing when he left Alpine to join Aston Martin. Alpine, who were fighting for fourth and fifth in the constructors last year, to AM, who were at the bottom of the table, very inconsistent when they could score points, just didn't look like a team that were worth moving to especially someone of Alonso's calibre, but it turned out to be probably the best decision that he could have made. Alonso is going to be hoping that Aston Martin can solve their problems fairly quickly because, as I'd mentioned earlier, Lewis Hamilton's only a single point away from him in the Drivers' Championship, and I'm sure that's going to make him a tiny bit uncomfortable because P3 in the Drivers is something he is going to want to hang on to. We then have Ferrari. Oh, Ferrari. They've seemingly taken a bit of a step backwards this season. Start of last year, we had Ferrari taking race wins, pole positions, multiple podiums. It was looking good. They looked like they were in a fight for the drivers and the constructors' championship. It was a very good start to the 2022 season, and I had hope. 2023 has not been the same at all. They are now in P4 with 191 points, whereas last year they were in P2 with 314. Now, I think there was some hope that Ferrari would have a little bit of an improvement compared to the dismal end of 2022 that they had, but that has not happened. The cars just seemed somewhat worse for them. The drivers aren't too happy. They said compared to last year, they don't have the confidence to really extract the most out of the car, to throw it into corners, to get maximum speed out of it. It's just not happening for them. We've seen a few glimmers of hope with the car, the upgrades coming in. The drivers are saying that it feels a bit more like last year's car in terms of how confident they feel with it now. And they aren't too far behind Aston Martin. But the concern is going to be if Aston Martin sort out whatever the heck went on with these set of upgrades, they get back up to speed and sort of leave Ferrari behind. And then they've also got the threat of McLaren who are behind them and have a very quick car with two very good drivers. The car though is not the only issue with Ferrari, let's be honest here. They also have issues with their strategy and with Charles' side of the garage, they're having issues with Xavi, communication there communication between the drivers and the pit wall, the drivers and the team. It's just not looking like the most cohesive team right now. We have Fred Vasseur stepping in as team principal this year, but he was never going to be a silver bullet, even though he comes with a lot of experience. It's going to take time for him to make the changes he wants and then time to see if those changes actually work. Nothing happens overnight in F1. I think right now though Ferrari just feel like a team still trying to find their feet with a new leader at the helm and I don't think things are going to settle by the end of the season. I think it'll be the end of next season, the beginning of 2025 when things might start changing for the better and we see a team more settled and more confident with their structure. I can't see a huge turn in fortunes for Ferrari for the rest of the season. I think their main battle will be probably Aston and Mercedes. I think McLaren have sort of flown ahead of all of those teams right now. So I think, yeah, their main competition will be with Aston Martin and with Mercedes on track and in the constructors. Looking at the teammate head-to-head, so Charles Leclerc, two Carlos Sainz, races 5-7, to seven, quality 5-7, to seven, podiums 3-0, to zero, points 99-92, and that leaves Charles Leclerc as 5th in the championship standings and Carlos Sainz in 7th. 
these two have had three seasons of being teammates. Now, this is their third season. And overall three seasons, it has been neck and neck. They're two very strong drivers. Both have had their fair share of bad luck and driver errors this season. But overall, they're a fairly strong pairing and quite evenly matched. Right now, though, I think more than trying to fight each other on track, they're trying to fight the car, trying to figure out how to gain more confidence in the car. And I think they do need to work together to get Ferrari and the car to where they want it to be. Going on to McLaren, what a first half of the season for them. 2022, they were in P5 with 89 points. 2023, P5 is 103 points. So no change in the constructor standings, not a massive amount of change in the number of points that they've gained. But I don't think those stats tell you the full story of the season so far for McLaren. Now they had an abysmal start. Really bad luck for both of the drivers in the opening race of the season and it just didn't improve from there. It's just not been a good show for McLaren. At times like Australia, they were having to benefit from other drivers and other teams having bad luck to get into the points and get a good haul of points home. Otherwise, they were really having to chase the tail end of the points. It wasn't an easy start to the season for them. Austria was a massive turning point for this team, though. The new upgrades transformed the car I'm going to say overnight, but it wasn't. We know that the MTC and all of the engineers and workers there have worked incredibly hard to get those upgrades for the car and Lando's upgrades were even done early, so an incredible effort from the team. Those upgrades got bolted on and now McLaren are flying. They've gained so, so much speed and have performed well at different tracks. The only hiccup they really had was at that last race before summer break at Spa where they seem to be getting eaten up by the field a little bit. Now, Andrea Stella said they are going to be locking into that because they do not want a repeat of that race. They know these upgrades work, so they need to get a handle on what the heck happened at Spa. And I think they're going to be working very hard to figure that out. McLaren, though, just had an epic low start to the season, followed by an absolutely epic high, no doubt about it. And I can see them continuing to have that strong form in the second half of the season. And I'm not going to be surprised at all if they climb higher than fifth. They're going to be aiming for P2, P3. And the way they're performing right now, I don't see why they wouldn't get it. Looking at the teammate head-to-head, though, we have Lando Norris, Oscar Piastri. Races are 9-3, to three, quali 10-2. to two, two podiums to zero, points are 69-34, to 34, which leaves Lando Norris 8th in the championship and Oscar Piastri in 11th. Now, I don't think anyone is going to be too surprised at those stats that Lando Norris is beating Oscar Piastri in every aspect. Oscar is a rookie, so I'm not really expecting him to be able to pull way ahead of a very seasoned Lando Norris at this point. The fact he's managed to beat Lando at all in some races and some of the quality sessions is fairly impressive, I've got to be honest. He also obviously had that P2 in the Spa sprint race as well. So he obviously had a very good result there that probably boosted his confidence and his morale and taught him a lot at the same time. Lando has had a very, very good season, especially with the upgrades coming in. I'm sure he's going to be hoping that that elusive win he lost out in at Sochi in 2021 will be coming his way very soon. But he's performing very well, has had back-to-back podiums now with this new upgrade. And I'm sure he's going to be very keen for McLaren to figure out what the heck happened in Spa and not to have a repeat. This is a pairing that I think, if it sticks around for a while, we'll see closer fights between Oscar and Lando. 
I think we are seeing them now, but I think over the course of a season, next season definitely, I think we're going to see them go toe-to-toe a little bit more, and that is going to be so exciting to watch. We are moving on to the second half of the Constructors' Table now, and that has us go to Alpine. In 2022, they were in P4 and 93 points 12 races in, and in 2023, they are currently in 6th place with 57 points. Their 100 race plan is obviously not going to plan when they are just slipping backwards compared to last year. Now the main highlights I think for Alpine this year, because it hasn't all been awful I guess, has been Esteban's podium in Monaco and Pierre's P3 at the Spa Sprint Race. That's been it really I think in terms of highlights. Definitely have been more highs than lows for Alpine because those tiny glimmers of performance don't hang around for very long. This is a team that has more double DNFs than they do podiums with Australia, Silverstone and Hungary all being on the list in 12 races. Three of them have had double DNFs. I don't know who Alpine have angered to be cursed like this but it is not going well. And if on track things are not great for them, off track I think has to be worse. Four members of Alpine have either gone out of the team or been reshuffled since the start of the season. And I think to say goodbye to Otmar Zaf now in mid-season, and I spoke a lot about this in a previous episode, I think it's very telling that Alpine are not moving in the direction that they want to, as if it wasn't obvious enough to everyone outside of the team. We are nearly halfway into the 100 race plan and I cannot see this working anytime soon for them because I don't think the rest of the season is going to go the way they want. I can't see a change in Alpine's fortune. I think they're going to stay at P6. The jump to get into P5 is too much and I don't think they're going to have too much competition from P7 and below with the rest of the teams. So I think P6 is the absolute best they could hope for right now. Looking at their teammate head-to-head, Esteban Ocon versus Pierre Gasly, we have races are 5 to 4, qualies are 6 apiece, 1 podium to 0, 35 points to 22, with Esteban 10th and Pierre in 12th. When Pierre Gasly had joined the Alpine team, I think there were a lot of people that thought he was just going to pull away from Esteban Ocon completely, and then there were a couple of others that thought it would be a closer battle. The latter have been correct, because right now it is a fairly close battle when you look at their races and quality performances. Like Ferrari, I think it's less about them fighting each other right now on track, and more trying to fight the car and find a way forward for the development of the car and for the team, because Alpine seem to be in dire straits right now. What I would love to know with Esteban and Pierre is what happens when these two are in a competitive car because I think they are much better drivers than what they're able to display in the current Alpine. Moving on to Williams and in 2022 this was a team dead last in the constructors with only three points to their name and this year they are in seventh with 11 points so far. This has been a much more impressive season for Williams. For me at least, there's no doubt about it, it's been way, way more impressive. The car's shown a lot more promise on track, but sometimes I think that's all we see is a lot of promise, a lot of potential, but we don't get to see the results necessarily. That being said though, I think they have a stronger development direction this year. I think they've figured out the regulations a little bit better and the development direction they're going in is going to actually help them get closer to the points and in a better battle to get into that midfield. Like Ferrari, they have a new team principal in James Vowles who was the previous head of strategy at Mercedes. 
Now, with him comes a whole load of experience, a whole load of knowledge, and he's going to be using every single bit of that to improve Williams. And I think there's just been a new energy since he's come into the team. Williams seem a lot more optimistic, a lot more positive. It just feels like it's more energetic. There's more life in that team. James Vowles has very clear ideas about what he wants from Williams, and that includes infrastructure. He has said some of the stuff is 20 years old old in their facilities how the heck are you meant to be battling for points or potentially for championships further down the line if some of the things you're using some of the machinery your facilities are 20 years old so that is something that he is trying to work on but as i said with ferrari those changes seeing it come into fruition that takes time so it's not going to be straight away but in general, I think Williams have taken a step forward so far this year. Now, they are in a fight with the bottom half of the table. Haas are on equal points with them right now. But I think Williams will keep on to that seventh place. And they should. I think the car is quite strong. I think Alex Albon is a very, very good driver right now. So I really do think they could keep on to seventh place in the WCC. Looking at the teammate head-to-head, Alex Albon versus Logan Sargent. In the races, it's 10 to 1, quality 12 to 0, points 11 to 0, and championship, Alex Albon is in 13th, Logan Sargent is in 19th. All 11 points from Williams, that means, are currently coming from Alex Albon. He, I feel, has stepped into more of a leadership role over the past year, has gained a lot more confidence. It's not a surprise, like with Oscar and Lando, that Alex is pulling ahead of Logan. Logan's in his rocky year, he's still learning about F1, how an F1 car works compared to F2, especially when we're getting to different circuits, but, and I mentioned this on a previous podcast, I don't think it's going to be too long until Logan scores some points, I think it's a matter of time now, he is slowly getting there, but it's been a big learning curve, like I think it is for all rookies. In general though, I think yes, Alex will have the measure of him for the rest of the season. Moving on to Haas, who in 2022 were in 7th place with 34 points and in 2023 are in 8th with 11. Now they have dropped a single place, which isn't massive to be fair, and equal points with Williams, but there's been a significant drop in the number of points they've managed to get. So I think it's kind of lucky for them right now that there are other teams around them that also seem to be struggling this year. Otherwise, I think that drop could have been a bit more drastic in the constructor standings. In general, their qualifying form looks good, but they just fall off the radar on race day. I mean, we go into qualifying on a Saturday and we hear so much about Haas, about how they've gotten into Q3, Nico Hulkenberg doing a great job. Sunday, we just see him or Kevin, whoever's qualified highest, slowly fall back out of the points and then we don't hear much about them again on a Sunday. So their race car is not great, and that is on top of some technical issues that they've had that have caused some DNFs. Now, Haas have had a massive surge of money with MoneyGram as their title sponsor, and apparently this has allowed them to reach the cost cap for what I am sure is the first time. But we aren't seeing any results from that, and I think that is going to take a little bit of time. Maybe next year we'll see a bit of an improvement in performance, but this year, yeah, we're not really seeing much. I think a lot of that money is probably being ploughed into 2024 and beyond. So I'm going to be very interested to see what happens in 2024, but I can't see too much happening for the rest of this season. Looking at the teammate head-to-head, Kevin Magnussen to Nico Hulkenberg, races are six apiece, quality is three to nine. 
Points are 2 to 9, and in the championship, Kevin Magnussen is in 18th, Nico Hulkenberg in 14th. Quite honestly, guys, I didn't think this was going to be as close as it looks right now. Nico was a surprise to me coming into the season. He has just flown in quality, and his race form in general, in terms of points, has been better than Kevin's. I thought Kevin would have more of a measure on his teammate than what is being shown right now, but for Nico Hulkenberg, it's been a very impressive season. I'm sure Kevin is going to be looking to make a comeback in the second half of the season. And I mean, if he doesn't, I do wonder whether Haas will look to replace him with a different driver. Looking at ninth in the constructors is Alfa Romeo. So in 2022, they were in sixth place with 51 points at this point. And this year they're in ninth with nine points. That is a huge difference in their points. It's been a disappointing start to the 2023 campaign for this team. I think this time last year what happened though is that they were benefiting from being one of the only teams, if not the only team, who were on the weight limit. But bear in mind, they only scored another six points in 2022 after those first 12 races. So it was a struggle in that second half of the season. This year, they don't have any kind of advantage to play on. So they're just carrying on from their form from the end of last season. And that is very, very clear to see right now. Are they just waiting for the Audi takeover? Are they waiting for the money that Audi is going to plow into the team when they take over from Alfa Romeo? So right now, it's sort of just survival will get there maybe because there's nothing spectacular going on here i'm not hearing a whole load when it comes to their upgrades i'm not hearing that there's going to be a massive jump with their upgrades so i couldn't really tell you teammate head-to-head is valtteri bottas against joe guanyu races are eight to four quality is seven to four points are five to four and the championship standings valtteri is in 15th and guanyu is in 16th now, this is a much closer battle between these two teammates this year compared to last year. Guan Yu, I think, has really come into his own and he's having stronger races, he's having stronger qualities. But I think it's just been disappointing for both of the drivers. I think they're very good drivers. They have a lot of talent, but it's not being showcased in the Alfa Romeo. I think there have also been technical issues on both sides of the garage as well, which has hampered some of their performances. So I really hope when Audi take over, we're not going to see Valtteri and Guan Yu disappear off the grid because I want to see what they're able to do. And finally, in 10th place, we have Alpha Tauri. The 2022 season saw them in 8th place with 27 points. In 2023, they are in 10th with only 3. This, quite frankly, has been an awful season for Alpha Tauri. There have been no secrets made about how bad this car is to drive and what needs to be worked on, namely everything. Franz Tost is retiring at the end of this season though. He will be leaving F1, he will be leaving his role as team principal of AlphaTauri. So maybe some fresh blood in the form of Laurent Maggie's is what AlphaTauri need potentially, who knows? But it does look like there is a lot of work that needs to be done. Pierre is probably glad to have jumped ship when he did to Alpine even if that team is not in their best form right now because AlphaTauri have just become a back market team. It's been a struggle to watch them, to be honest with you. Now, Franz Tost had said they'd solve some of the problems from 2022, like the car being too heavy. But that's obviously not made a huge amount of difference because they now have other problems to fix and the upgrades they are bringing don't seem to be making the impact that they need to. In all honesty, I think this is going to be a depressing half of the season. 
for AlphaTauri, even when you have Daniel in that car now. There's only so much a driver can do when the car is that bad. There's only so much performance they can get out of it. Talking about drivers, though, getting into the teammate head-to-head, Yuki Tsunoda versus Nick slash Daniel, because obviously AlphaTauri had that mid-season swap. So we have races on 9-3, quali 9-3, points 3-0, championship standings. Yuki is in 17th, Nick and Daniel are at the bottom right now. So it's a bit of a harder one to get a read on, guys. A bit more of a messy comparison, to be honest with you. Yuki was pulling ahead of Nick with everything. Nick had managed to beat him twice in the race, twice in quali. Daniel has only been in F1 again this season for two races and has only beat Yuki half of those times so only in one race and one quality. I am excited to see where this goes. I know some people are expecting Daniel to just run ahead with it no problem leave Yuki in the dust but I don't think it's going to be that easy. I think this year we've seen Yuki Tsunoda become a much stronger driver, a much more confident driver. He took on a bit more of a leadership role in AlphaTauri after Pierre left. So I don't think it's going to be a straightforward teammate battle between him and Daniel. And it is one I'm really looking forward to watching. And that is my mid-season review. There has been a lot going on with these teams. Some people finding massive upturns in their fortunes. Some people sort of stagnant in their growth. And then some that are falling behind. And I'm really going to be hoping that the second half of the season gives them a little bit more. I'll be very curious to see what happens beyond P1 in the Constructors' Championship for the rest of the grid because it's so messy. I don't think anything bar P1 is really nailed in at this point in the season. Maybe P10 in the Constructors' is nailed as well. Maybe AlphaTauri have pretty much secured P10. In which case, that's lovely. We have a Red Bull sandwich, basically, in the Constructors' Championship. But like I said, I think the rest of those eight teams... They could swap anywhere. That top half of the grid, anyone could go anywhere. Second half of the grid, I think we're going to see a lot of movement as well. So I am excited for F1 to come back and to see what happens between now and Abu Dhabi. Thank you guys so, so much for listening and Dielchen Fair. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and TikTok at stewards underscore office where I post a bunch of F1 content and I will see you guys the next time you're summoned to the stewards office.